Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. Uh, we're just going to have some introductory uh, remarks at the moment here before we sort of move on a little bit as we introduce uh, our series and uh, trying to think of a, a snazzy title for our series. I decided to call it uh, Gems from Genesis. We'll see how we go. You'll notice that the uh, title of the book is called, the first book of Moses called Genesis, and the word Genesis simply means the book of beginnings or the book of origins or generations. I'll repeat that again. The book of Genesis simply means the book of beginnings. We have the beginning of so many things here, everything actually that the whole Bible is uh, built on, so it's referred to as the book of beginnings. The book of origins, because we see the origin of so many things here. In fact, everything as far as uh, uh, the revelation God has given to us. And the book of generations. The book has also been referred to as the seed book of the Bible. And we find that uh, uh, every seed, every possible seed truth and seed revelation is found in this book. And so it's been spoken of as the seed book, the seeds of divine revelation uh, that are planted in this book, sort of uh, planted in the seed plot. Genesis is like the seed bed, the seed plot. And uh, as the Spirit waters these seeds, they begin to grow through Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers, Deuteronomy and Joshua, Judges, right through to uh, the book of Revelation, which we refer to as the book of Ultimate. And uh, it's like the full fruit of the tree. But everything has its seed in this book. So it's spoken of as the seed book of the Bible. Uh, of, of all the books in the Bible, I think, that have been attacked, uh, probably there are three, three particular books. Uh, we may narrow it down to two especially, and that's the book of Genesis and the book of Revelation. There's probably been more attacked by the critics on these two books than uh, any other books in the Bible. The book of Daniel, of course. Daniel's been in the lion's den for a long, long time, uh, but God has zipped up the lion's mouth and preserved Daniel and killed off the lions anyway, praise God. Uh, but, but these books, Genesis and Revelation, have probably been, uh, had more attacks by the critics than any other books. And I believe that the reason that is because when we look at Genesis and Revelation, we're dealing with the, uh, what we might say, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending, uh, the first and the last in these two books. And uh, I don't expect you to take this list down, but for instance, in uh, my own notes I have here that, uh, for instance, in Genesis, we see that the earth was created to be inhabited. We see the first heaven and earth. And in Revelation, we see uh, the new heaven and the new earth that's created to be inhabited. In uh, Genesis, we see the origin of the sun, moon, and stars. When we get to Revelation, we come to a city that has no need of the sun, moon, and stars. Uh, in, uh, in the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, uh, we see the gathering of the waters that were called seas. Uh, in Revelation, there is no more sea. 
In the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, we have a river flowing in a garden, in the Garden of Eden, in a paradise. Uh, in the book of Revelation, we see the same river, but it's flowing from the throne of God, not in a garden now, but in a city, or a garden city, we might say. In, uh, in Genesis, we see man made in the image of God, and that image marred through sin. When we get to the book of Revelation, we see that uh, an end is made of sin and, and sickness and, and death, and man is restored uh, to the image of God. In Genesis, we see where death enters, and in, in uh, Revelation, we have no more death. In, in Genesis, the first curse is uttered. There's a curse that comes on the earth. Uh, in Revelation, we're told there, there will be no more curse. Um, just pick, trying to pick out of about 36 here. Uh, in, in Genesis, we see the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In, in Revelation, there's no tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In Genesis, we see how the tree of life is forfeited through sin. Uh, in Revelation, we see the tree of life is restored through grace. In uh, Genesis, again, we see the origin of the rainbow as the token of the covenant. Uh, see the rainbow in the sky. When we get to Revelation, the rainbow is round about the throne. The same rainbow. In Genesis, we see a serpent standing before a woman and she's deceived, the first bride. In Revelation, we see a serpent standing before a woman, the bride of Christ, but she's not deceived. In Genesis, we have the origin of Babylon and Jerusalem. We have Nimrod, the founder of the city of Babylon, and we have Abraham, who is looking for a city whose builder and maker is God, and when we get to the book of Revelation, the book of Ultimates, we see how Babylon is judged, and we see the new Jerusalem, the city that Abraham was looking for, a city whose builder and maker is God. We see it descending uh, down from heaven. And so I think that's enough to uh, show you why uh, these two books have been under such tremendous attack, because uh, in Genesis we have the origin of, of the serpent, the origin of sin, the fall of man, and uh, everything like that, whereas in the book of Revelation we see uh, the serpent is judged, man is restored to the image of God, and everything that man lost in the book of Genesis is restored in Revelation through the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending, the first and the last. And uh, the scripture says in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 8, which is a very suitable scripture just in the light of what we've been saying, better is the end of a thing than the beginning. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 8. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning. Better is the book of Revelation than the book of Genesis. <laughs> Can you say amen to that? <laughs> All right, so uh, the beginning and the end. Moses and John just sort of get together and shake hands with each other and John says to Moses, well, you started off the business and messed it up. I'm just going to fix it all up here and we'll shake hands on it and call it quits. Now, just, uh, in, uh, just taking a panoramic view of the chapters that we're going to be considering in our, I think we have 10 to 12 weeks in this, uh, in this uh, quarter, we're going to be looking at Genesis chapters 1 through to 11, and uh, maybe if I use the chalkboard and just sort of give you an outline of how we're going to, or, or the major things we're going to be looking at. I don't know if you can all see this here or not, just 
Hope so. Next uh, week when we're in the auditorium, it should be better. We hope. <laughs> we're going to be looking at Genesis chapters 1 to 11, so let's just sort of put a framework of the chapters that we're going to cover and the major events that we're looking at. Up the top here, we'll put this as the book of beginnings or the beginnings of the universe. Beginnings of the universe. And uh, we're covering Genesis chapters 1 to 11. Can you, you, can you all pretty well see that back there? Anyway, at least you can hear what I'm saying if you can't read it. <laughs> and in these chapters, very interesting that uh, these chapters, there's 50 chapters in the book of Genesis, and uh, God covers about 2,000 years of time just in these 11 chapters. The rest of the chapters, chapters 12 through to 50, uh, cover about uh, just several hundred years of time. Uh, it's putting the value where God puts it. And so here we have almost uh, 2,000 years covered in chapters 1 through to 11. Now, the simplest way of uh, looking at these chapters is that we have four major events in these chapters, four major events, uh, four major origins, we might say, the book of origins, the book of beginnings. And the first few chapters, first couple of chapters here, we have the origin of creation. And uh, this is covered in chapters 1 and 2. And uh, I think it's a very significant thing that when it comes to this universe, this creation, man's habitation, God only just spends about one or two chapters, barely two chapters on it. But when it comes to the plan of redemption, the rest of the Bible spent on that. And yet scientists and educationals will spend years and lifetimes studying this creation that's going to vanish away and yet when it comes to God's plan of redemption haven't got a moment for it so the whole point of that is we have to put the value where God puts the value so God only gives barely two chapters to the account of creation but when it comes to redemption when it comes to his, t his dwelling place like the tabernacle of Moses chapter after chapter after chapter is given on God's dwelling place so why do we need to waste our time, waste some of our time anyway, studying creation and all the little microbes and all the little other lobes and uh, what have you? Uh, the value is in redemption, God's dwelling place. So he just covers that, the mighty earth, the late planet earth in two, barely two chapters, creation. And the next division of the book we have is uh, covered in chapters 3 to 5. The next major event is the fall. Fall of man. Let's just back back a little bit here. Let's uh, look, say, uh, in chapters 1 and 2, we have the origin of creation. And now when we get to the next section, the next major event, we have chapters 3 through to 5 that are dealing with the origin of man and sin. Origin of man and sin. And the next major event that God gives us is concerning the flood in the days of Noah. 
the flood. And here we have the, uh, the chapters that deal with the events pertaining to the flood, chapters 6 through to 9. And here we have the origin of the three ethnic divisions, origin of the three ethnic vision, divisions of the human race. I'll just abbreviate that. The three ethnic divisions of the human race, uh, the three sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and everybody's interested in their roots. Well, I'm glad my roots are in Jesus, the root of David, aren't you? But uh, you might be able to trace yourself to one of these sons of Noah if you can climb up the family tree enough here. But uh, that's what we have here, the origin of nations, the origin of the three uh, ethnic divisions, really. Then the next major event we have is the Tower of Babel and chapters 10 through to 11 deal with uh, the events pertaining to the Tower of Babel and uh, very interesting things that happened there that we're seeing it come to its fullness today. And so under this section we have the origin of all nations. Because after the Tower of Babel, God scatters them across the face of the earth and uh, we have the origin of all nations. All right, so we have four major events dealt with in these chapters. Creation, chapters 1 and 2, Fall, chapters 3 through to 5, Flood, chapters 6 through to 9, and Babel, chapters uh, 10 and 11. Origin of creation, origin of man and sin, origin of the three ethnic divisions, and the origin of all nations. Now... Let's just add another major uh, feature here that God gives us in these chapters. In these chapters we have, uh, because Genesis is, as I said, the seed book of the Bible, in this, in this uh, book we have the introduction of the first three major covenants. God revealing himself as a covenant God, and so we have the first three major covenants revealed in these chapters. Uh, leading on to the fourth, actually, but let's just put them here. So the first covenant we have revealed is the Edenic covenant, the covenant that God made with Adam and Eve uh, before sin, covenant that has never totally been fulfilled, a covenant that's yet to come to fulfill, uh, fulfillment, total uh, fulfillment here, the Edenic covenant, the covenant made with man before sin. Then the second covenant that we have is what we refer to as the Adamic covenant, the covenant made by God after sin. So the Edenic covenant is made by God with man before sin, never been fully fulfilled. And then the next covenant we have is the Adamic covenant made after sin. Then the next covenant that we have is the Noahic covenant, the covenant made with Noah and every living creature upon the face of the earth, the Noahic covenant. So we have the Edenic covenant, the Adamic covenant and the Noahic covenant. Let's throw in the fourth covenant because uh, chapter 11 closes off and introduces us uh, in chapter 12 to the next covenant man. So we'll put him on here uh, sort of anticipatory of chapter 12 really. We have the covenant that God made with Abraham. Now there are the four major covenants in the book of Genesis. So the Edenic covenant, the Adamic covenant, the Noahic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant. Uh, let's turn over to a very interesting verse in the book of Leviticus here um, that we just like to illustrate something here. Leviticus chapter 27. 
Leviticus, the 27th chapter. And uh, here we have the Lord's instructions concerning tithes and so forth. Let's go to uh, verse 30, Leviticus 27, verse 30. And the Lord speaking through Moses says, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, it is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. Notice what he's saying, the tithe of the land, whether of the seed or the fruit. Now, Genesis is the seed book of the Bible. Adam is a seed man. He's the father of the human race. Noah is a seed man. He's the father of the human race. Abraham is a seed man. He's the father of the chosen race. So God says all the tithe of the seed, all the fruit of the tree is the Lord's authority to the Lord. And uh, going down to verse 32, the same principle of tithing here. Um, concerning the tithe of the herd or of the flock, even of whatsoever passeth under the rod, the tenth shall be holy unto the Lord. So you can see the custom here that uh, a man who owned a herd or flock, as the sheep would pass under the rod, every tenth sheep was marked out holy to the Lord. And uh, God has done this actually here because Adam is the first man and he's a covenant man Noah is the tenth from Adam. And it's just like God went through those names. Adam, number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten. Noah, you're the tenth. And then from Noah through to Abraham is another tenth. So uh, the first man is a covenant man. The tenth man is a covenant man. The tenth, the twentieth man from Adam is a covenant man. So it's just like God goes through the godly line and he marks out as the shepherd of the sheep. He picks out certain men. Tenth, the tithe. Noah was a tithe man. Abraham was a tithe man. Now, a covenant man. So God, as the good shepherd, puts his hand upon these sheep. And so every tenth is holy to the Lord. They become seed men. And uh, that's what we see here. Adam, the covenant man. Noah, the covenant man, the tenth from Adam. And Abraham, the tenth from Noah, but the twentieth from Adam, a covenant man. So four major covenants we have uh, in the book of Genesis in these chapters that we so that we'll look at. Now, the last thing that I'd like to mention in connection with this, or a couple of things actually, um, we have approximately 2,000 years of time. Approximately 2,000 years of time covered from Adam, because Adam was in the Garden of Eden, so he'd be back here, uh, we have approximately 2,000 years of time from Adam through to Abraham. And we speak of this as the dispensation of the Father. 2,000 years dispensation of the Father. Why do we say that? Because we have three major fathers here. Adam, the father of the whole human race. Noah, the father of the human race after the flood, and Abraham the father of all who believe. And God the Father reveals himself to the fathers. So God the Father, who is a covenant-making God, he comes to Father Adam. He comes to Father Noah. He comes to Abraham. So here we have the patriarchs, the fathers, and God the Father revealing himself as a covenant-making God to the fathers. So we refer to this as a dispensation of the fathers. Uh, 
After that, you begin with the dispensation of the Son, beginning, beginning with Isaac, the only begotten Son, through to Jesus, the only begotten Son. But here we have stamped upon these chapters, chapters 1 to 11, uh, the revelation of the Father God and the covenant-making God to the Father. So Father Adam, Father Noah, and Father Abraham, approximately 2,000 years that we have here. So that just sort of gives you a, an outline of the chapters and some of the content that we'll be covering uh, week by week here. Okay, in the light of all that, let's go back now to Genesis chapter 1. Let's uh, just make a few comments on the verses that we begin with here in the first section, having uh, covered our introductory material. You notice how simply the Bible starts off, just simply starts off, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Now you'll notice that as he starts off here there's no time element involved just simply in the beginning and uh, who can find that? doesn't say 6,000 years back or 7,000 years back or 10,000 years back has no time element involved here just simply in the beginning in the beginning God so who can find that? So it just starts off in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth um, let's uh, turn over to Psalm 90 here for a thought. Psalm 90. mentioned uh, some of these thoughts before but for those who may be uh, new to the class or this uh, area of teaching I'd like to repeat some things here. Uh, you'll notice that Psalm 90 at the top of the, the title there we have a Psalm of Moses or a prayer of Moses the man of God. So the one who wrote the book of Genesis uh, is the one that has written this prayer prayer of Moses, the man of God. So that lends uh, some significance to it right there. So he starts off in verse 1, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. In the beginning God created the heaven and earth, and now Moses is just saying, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Or as another translation just simply says, from eternity to eternity. Now, I like to liken eternity to a circle, timelessness. At no time, timelessness. God is eternal. Uh, in the beginning, God, from everlasting to everlasting, or from ever, uh, eternity to eternity, thou art God. So uh, God is not limited by time or to time. He doesn't need a seeker watch uh, or anything like that. Uh, he's, he's the I am, he's the eternal. So he's not limited to time or by time. He has everlasting life, 
he lives happily ever after and sometimes that frightens me to think that uh, I've got eternal life and I'm going to live as long as God does it's a mighty long time does that frighten anybody here what's God going to do to amuse us for all eternity You don't think you're going to be sitting on a little cloud playing a little harp with the angels, do you? A little guitar. Uh, <laughs> how many missed on guitar lessons tonight? <laughs> now, God's, God's got some vast plan in eternity for all of us, and, and, and our whole little life on earth is just a period of probation for some eternal purpose that God has got in eternity and this little planet earth is just uh, just a little marble compared to the universe of worlds out there that in the ages to come that God's got some vast plan for us that uh, he has just hasn't told us he just says in the ages to come I'm going to show you my exceeding greatness and kindness so uh, I'm sure it'll be good won't you all right, so from everlasting to everlasting thou art God. All right, now, so God is eternal. He's not limited by time nor t- uh, to time. He's uh, timelessness without beginning, without end, eternity of being. But when it comes to what we start off in Genesis chapter 1 here, we have the introduction of time. Now let's put time up here. And what is time? I say that time is simply a little fragment of eternity in which God is working out his purposes in creation and redemption. So here we have time, uh, simple, just a wee little fragment of eternity, just poof, to God. It's just like a split second. We're, we're so bound by time and creatures of time. Uh, but what's it to God? You know, it's just, it's just one eternal present to him. And so we start off here in, in Genesis chapter 1, the whole chapter through to chapter 2, verse 1 of 4, the origin of creation, and we have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 days. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, yeah. <laughs> uh, 7 days, whatever those days were, and there's various speculation about it, but whatever it is, we, we have the introduction of time. Uh, but time not apart from eternity, because time is a part of eternity. In fact, uh, as we'll see when we get to there, uh, time began when sin began. Because when Adam was created on the sixth day, he could have lived happily ever after. He could have still been living. But the moment sin began, time began. The moment he sinned, he bought himself a watch. And uh, <laughs> time began to tick off for him then. He was ticked off by time (laughs) wasn't he because you know (laughs) 930 years and the day you sin you'll surely die so the moment he sinned tick 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 the time bomb began and 930 years later he died so you know what's time a little fragment of eternity when you get to the book of Revelation, it says time shall be no more. You leave your watch to the Antichrist. As long as you tell him to keep up the payments on it. (coughs) 
All right, let's go back to Genesis anyway. So it simply starts off with, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, let's just look at this, uh, look at this word God a moment here. Uh, the word God in the Hebrew is Elohim or Elohim, it's pronounced variously, Elohim. And uh, this Old Testament word is what we refer to as a uni-plural Hebrew word. It's denoting plurality of divine persons without stating how many. So in the beginning, find it. And that's why I don't believe that there's any real conflict between true science and the Bible because uh, when I was a kid, uh, I went to Sunday school and what have you, and they said, well, the world's only been going for 6,000 years. Well, the Bible doesn't teach that. Man's been here for 6,000 years but the world itself could have been going for billions of years and it would allow for all the geological ages and the, the successive ages and so forth without any conflict be, because we just have no time here, just in the beginning, in the beginning God. So find that beginning. Eh? And so because of our ignorance as Christians, we've said, well, the world's only been going for 6,000 years. No, man's been here for 6,000 years, approximately, but in the beginning God created, so we have no time element there in the beginning. The same language is in the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, the Word was God. Well, find that beginning, in the beginning. So it takes you way back into eternity. So here we have an introduction of God, the revelation of God. The, uh, the, as I said, it's a Hebrew uniplural word denoting plurality of divine persons without stating how many. Now, the New Testament equivalent is the word Godhead. That's the New Testament equivalent. And what we see here is that there are three divine persons active in creation here. The Creator, and so this is the revelation we have. We have God, first of all, as the Father. The Father was active in creation. Number two, then we have the Word. Let's, let's turn over to John's Gospel a moment here because there's a... Uh, Remarkable comparison between Genesis and John, John's Gospel, chapter 1. You'll notice how they both open up and uh, the comparison. Genesis, in the beginning God created the heaven and earth. John, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God the, the, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. How many believe the word is eternal? All right, so find the beginning. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, the word. The word was with God. Then in verse 3, all things were made by him. In the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the light, life was the light of men, and the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended not. And God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. In both cases, we have in the beginning, God in the beginning, the Word. Uh, God created the heaven and earth. All things were created by the Word. Uh, God said, let there be light, and him was life. 
and his life was the light of men. Uh, the light shined in the darkness, and the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. So, uh, remarkable com uh, correspondence between uh, Genesis and the Gospel of John. Genesis creation, John redemption. So, here we have God the Father, and in the beginning the Word, the Son. And then as the verse continues in Genesis, and the Spirit of Elohim moved upon the face of the waters. So now we have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit moving. So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit active in creation. Someone's put it this way, the Father thought it, the Son said it, the Spirit did it. So the Godhead is active in creation here. So simply opens up within the in the beginning God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit active in creation just as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are active in redemption. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. All right, back to uh, Genesis 1 uh, from John here. Uh, let me just give you two or three scriptures here. Uh, we won't turn to them. Colossians chapter 1.16, Colossians 1.16. All things were created by him and for him. Colossians 1.16, Hebrews 1 and verse 2. Hebrews 1 verse 2. He's the creator of all things, the upholder of the universe, the uh, universe of worlds. Hebrews 1 verse 2. And uh, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3. Hebrews 11 verse 3. Now... Another word that confirms this plurality of divine persons active in creation is in Genesis 1, verse 26. For instance, it says, And God said, Let us. Same word here. Elohim said, or Elohim said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. We have plurality there of divine persons. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God is the the originator and the creator of all things. So we see the whole Godhead active in, in creation here. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, let's go back to Genesis again here for a, a couple of words we want to look at. Throughout this chapter and uh, into the next chapter, we have the word created and made. Let's just uh, look at how it's used here. Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So I believe in creation. I don't believe in devolution or evil solution. I believe in creation. Amen. Chapter 2. Let's go to chapter 2. And uh, verse 3 and 4. We have another word that's supplied here. Uh, Genesis 2, verse 3 and 4, And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. Verse 4, These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth. I don't know what you believe about the crea creative days, whether they were 24 hours or ages of time or what have you, but you'll note the use of the word generations. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now, we have two words that are used here that uh, I think are very meaningful. 
erase that. We have this word created, and then we have the word made. Now, I'm no Hebrew scholar or anything like that, so I don't profess to show my ignorance, anything like that. I met a little Hebrew in a shop one day, and that's about the only Hebrew I know. Uh, but the, the, the word created here is actually to make something out of nothing. In other words, the visible things were made out of invisible. That's, that's creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The visible was made out of the invisible. In fact, uh, let me quote, I think I gave you this reference, but I'll read it. How many believe that? How many believe that the visible was made out of the invisible? What about the rest of you here? How many don't believe it? Uh, listen to what Hebrews says. I, I've already given you the scripture. Through faith, we understand that the world's were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. In other words, the visible was made out of the invisible. That's Hebrews 11 verse 3. And how do we know that? Through faith we understand. And unless we have faith, we don't understand. We don't understand through reason and rationalization. Through faith we understand that the world's and the ages, he's speaking up to, were framed by the word of God, framed like a picture, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So the, the visible was made out of the invisible. It's, so the word created is actually to bring something out of nothing. The next word that's uh, used here, made, uh, it, it's, it's to make from already created materials. In other words, we might use this illustration uh, God created the clay and then as a potter he formed and fashioned it. So creation, he brings something out of nothing but in making he fashions something out of something. So he created and made. So in the beginning God created the heaven and earth and then he made things and fashioned things like a potter. God made something out of nothing, that's creation, and then made something from something, that's made. You'll notice how beautiful it's, it says here, in the beginning, God, God nowhere tries to prove his existence. He just states it as a fact. Let's go over to uh, Job, the book of Job here, just on this verse here. Job chapter 38, Job chapter 38. Now, uh, this uh, few verses we're going to read here. Uh, are very interesting because, uh, according to the experts, Job was the first book of the Bible that was really written, before Genesis even, and that... Uh, Job was the oldest book of the Bible and the first book. And you listen to God's language to Job in, in the light of creation. In the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. And what's the purpose of creation? Um, just before I read from verse uh, uh, chapter 38 here, let me just throw a couple of other scriptures at you if you're taking down scriptures. Revelation 4, 11. 
All things were created for his pleasure. Revelation 4, 11. And Hebrews 1, verses 10 to 12. Hebrews 1, verse 10 to 12. Uh, he laid the foundations. Thou, O Lord, in the beginning has laid the foundations. Hebrews 1, verse 10 to 12. In the beginning God created. In the beginning the word. And thou, O Lord, in the beginning has laid the foundations of the earth. Now listen to jo uh, the Lord challenging Job here after Job has been uh, blubbing off his mouth and uh, showing his ignorance for about 36 chapters. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? That's a pretty heavy one right there, isn't it? Uh, putting it in the modern Australian vernacular, Job, what are you blabbing about and multiplying words and not saying anything for? Well, that's what verse 2 is saying. Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? You don't know what you're talking about, but you've been blabbing off for 38 chapters just about Job. Gird up now thy loins like a man, and I'll demand of thee an answer thou me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? <laughs> oh, I was out on a milky way having a milkshake, telling you what to do. <laughs> Thou, O Lord, in the beginning has laid the foundations of the earth. Where were you when I, when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare of you if you have any understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? I mean, that's pretty heavy stuff. Uh, the, the Job tells us that he hangs the world on nothing. That's a pretty good world to be hanging on nothing. You try hanging something on nothing, uh, you know. <laughs> and, and he hangs the world on nothing. It's just hanging on nothing. Eh? Hallelujah. I mean, you know, it sort of makes you, oh, God, you know. I remember when I was a bit younger, they, uh, the first factory I was working at, the, someone sent me to go and get a skyhook. <laughs> and they sent me from department to department looking for that skyhook. <laughs> Until I thought, a skyhook? A hook that hangs in the sky? Well, God doesn't hang the world on any hooks. He's got no sky hooks. He hangs it on nothing. And it's hanging up pretty well there. And verse 7, uh, when the morning stars, apparently referring, referring to the angels, how art thou fallen from heaven, O day star, Lucifer day star? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy, so somewhere way back in eternity, as I've given you in Colossians 1, that God created... Uh, let me just quote that one. I've given it to you, but you need to hear it because you're looking at me funny, some of you. There. <laughs> For by him... Oh, well, I better flip back a bit. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth visible and invisible. So he created the visible things and he created the invisible things. In the beginning God created the heaven and earth, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers. 
all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Everything holds together. Hallelujah. So it's hanging on pretty good, isn't it? So where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? All the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. And then he just goes through creation there and says, well, what do you know about it? Pretty humiliating. And after God said all that to him, just, you know, what he summarized in one verse back there, God gave a whole couple of chapters on it to Job. And then Job said, he put his hand upon his mouth and he said, I'm vile. What shall I say? I'll lay my hand upon my mouth. Once have I spoken and that for too long and I will not answer, but twice I'll proceed no more. I'll shut my mouth. The creation, the mighty universe. You know, what, what should this do to us? It should strengthen our faith okay, that this mighty universe of worlds hanging it on nothing and yet he just wipes it all over in one verse because he says it's you I'm after I want to get to the man I can't have fellowship with worlds and universes of worlds I want to make a man in my image and have fellowship have something that can love me and reciprocate my love I can't get it out of the universe he could just fling worlds from his fingertips I mean our poor little minds can't comprehend space heard of that minister who was going to preach on space and they said, I hope his head's full of his subject. Um, but we can't comprehend space, can we? Yeah. We go way out and there's worlds and worlds, but beyond that there's space. Can you comprehend that? All right, let's just take a couple more moments and then we're finished. Back to Genesis and... So the, the morning stars and the sons of God, the angels, shouted for joy. They sang together and shouted for joy at creation. It was the song of creation. When you get to Revelation, the angels stand round the throne and they listen to somebody else sing the song of redemption because they can't sing that. Now in verse 2 we're told, the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Now I'm not going to belabor this point because uh, as we've been handling in college a little bit there's, a, there's uh, two major opinions on this, there's difference of opinion so I'm not going to belabor the point. Uh, there's uh, the difference of opinion that uh, in verse 1, let's, let's sort of outline it here anyway. Uh, what is suggested on one school, and as I said, there's two different schools. There's one that accepts this theory, the other that doesn't. But uh, it's suggested from one school that in verse 1 we have the original creation. In the beginning God created heaven and earth. We have the original creation. Verse 1. Then in verse 2, it's suggested on one school that uh, the, the chaotic condition that we have here or the formless situation, the earth was without form and void. Uh, this one school suggests the earth was without form and void. In other words, uh, God created the earth, but it was without form and it was just like, uh, like a, a potter having a lump of clay. It had no shape to it and he was going to work upon it and bring it into shape. 
Uh, one school holds that uh, thought. The other schools suggest that between verse 1 and 2, the fall of Lucifer talk, uh, took place, or the fall of the archangel, and that he brought about the chaotic condition that we have here. And so uh, there's difference of opinion, and uh, even in college there's half and half amongst the kids, so that was perfectly all right. So we have a chaotic creation here. And whatever school you may hold, uh, it doesn't alter the point that we'll be leading up to next, uh, on next, next session here. A chaotic creation, whether it was a formless creation or whether that condition was brought about through a fall of Lucifer or not, something has to happen because when we get to the next verses, we find um, restoration. restoration of creation and so we have the spirit of God moving upon the face of the deep and the rest of the chapter verses uh, verses 2b uh, right through to the uh, to chapter 2 and verses 4 give us the seven days of creation and restoration let me just give you a couple of other verses and then we'll sort of quit on it tonight um, let's go over to Matthew chapter 19 for a very interesting verse here. Matthew 19. Matthew 19 and also I want, uh, want you to look up uh, Isaiah chapter 45. We'll make these our last two scriptures. All right, let's look at the Isaiah 45, uh, verse uh, 18, first of all, and then the Matthew 18 uh, scripture. In Isaiah chapter 45, which is just the language of Genesis 1, verse 1 and 2, in the beginning God created the heaven and earth, and the earth was without form and void. Um, darkness was upon the face of the deep. Isaiah 45, verse 18 says, For thus saith the Lord, that created the heavens. So in the beginning God created the heaven. God himself that formed the earth and made it. In the beginning God created the heaven and earth, created and made are used again here. He hath established it, and here it says he created it not in vain. And uh, regardless of what school uh, people follow on this, they all admit that the Hebrew word there is the same as uh, the earth was without form and void, that it's the same Hebrew word here. He created it not without form and void. He didn't create it in vain or an emptiness or a waste or a ruin. And uh, as uh, I mentioned in class here, I don't believe the God who is a perfect creator, I don't believe God creates anything in a chaotic condition. God is not the author of confusion or chaos. See? And so uh, it's very script uh, clear here, he created it not in vain, he created it not without form and void, he formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord. All right, Matthew 19, and then we better quit here. Matthew 19, uh, just a word I want to pick up here. Verse 27 and 28, Matthew 19, verse 27 and 28. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, 
That's the word I want you to know it. In the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit upon the throne, sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. In the regeneration. Now, what is Jesus talking about? What is regeneration? Why, why, uh, how many of us have been regenerated? What do we mean by regeneration? What's the word re? Made over again, made a new, new birth. Now this earth has to experience a regeneration. Why did we need a regeneration? Because we had a fall through sin. And sin brought about chaos and darkness and everything within us dark was upon the face of the deep. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. So there was a darkness upon the face of the deep here and everything was without form and void through sin. And so sin necessitated regeneration. Now, the same principle is here because Jesus is saying, in the regeneration of the Son of Man, because when Jesus comes a second time, what's he going to do to this late planet Earth? There's going to be a regeneration. Now see, in Genesis we have the generations. These are the generations of the heaven and earth. Well, of Genesis is the, rege uh, the generations of the heaven and earth. Revelation is the regeneration of the heaven and earth when an end is made of sin. And so here we sort of start to lay out a pattern regardless of what school you follow, whether you follow that was the original creation and it was brought chaotic through Satan's fall or whether it was just a formless mass that God had to t try and get in order. The basic principle is the same. A creation, a creation that is out of order, without form and void and emptiness of waste and ruin, and now God restoring, regenerating, and getting this creation ready for the man that he's going to make in his image. Make a king and give him dominion over it. All right, let's stand and let's have a word of prayer and come back next week for this exciting episode. How many feel you've got something out of the word tonight? Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we just thank thee that you are God. And Lord, that when we just look at the glory of your creation and the wonder of creation, we, we just feel like when you said to Job, Lord, where were we when you laid the foundations of the earth? when you hung the world upon nothing and you made the visible out of the invisible. Uh, Lord, yet you did it all for us. You had us in mind. You wanted a man made in your image. You wanted a man that you could have fellowship with. You wanted a man that you could give dominion over the universe of worlds. And Lord, we see how Satan came in and robbed man of his inheritance. But we thank you, Father, that you sent your Son. And through personal regeneration, Everything will be restored to us in Christ, what we lost in Adam. Thank you for the vast plan of redemption that you've got for us, Lord. And help us to be faithful to you in this period of probation on this earth. And to glorify thee in everything we do or say. Bless thy word to our hearts and may we meditate upon these things. We ask in the blessed name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said Amen. Amen. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books, and his ministry.